Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Tonight, so glad to be back in the house of God. We were traveling uh, this past weekend, my family and I. We were went and saw my uh, niece, my new niece, um, down in Georgia. So that was good to be with family. But uh, of course, we hate we missed service. I heard it was really good. Heard uh, Bayer did a fantastic job. I look forward to listening to that on the podcast. Um, and uh, so just just really thankful and grateful to be here tonight. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing, all that he is is preparing our hearts for. We had a good time last night at Camden, house to house, just pouring over the word and talking about some things. And I'm um, really looking forward to what God has planned here in our efforts to reach our cities. Amen. Amen. Um, just real quick, by way of announcements, there is a baby shower this Saturday, a, a buyer baby shower, just kind of has a ring to it. You know, for some reason, I want to channel Austin Powers, you know. <laughs> Y'all don't judge me. That's BC, okay? It's BC. Amen. Buyer, baby. <laughs> Amen. Um, but uh, that baby shower will occur at noon this Saturday. Um, so be sure if you uh, plan to attend that you come here. I think um, all of the ladies plan to attend. Gentlemen, find something else to do. Um, but anyway, after service today, we do want to set up a couple tables for them just to pull them out. Um, so a couple guys with, you know, some form of muscle just uh, plan to help help uh, move some tables. Amen. Amen. In Jesus name. Um, and oh, and in that same vein, this Saturday, if if uh, I know I plan to be here, um, Butler's going to be with me. If uh, we could have one or two other guys just come here around like two o'clock, if you can help, just to reset everything back to. If you're in the area, um, reset everything back for Sunday. Um, if you can do that, Amen. Just plan to do that around two o'clock. All right. So we want to get in tonight, back into the Word, talking about right relationships. This will be the last. Uh, lesson in this series. And if I'm being honest, there's a, there's a, there's quite a bit to cover. I still don't think I'm going to get through everything tonight, but that's okay. That's why we have other uh, opportunities to teach and to preach. Uh, but I just want to be sensitive to what God wants to do here tonight. And if, if I slow down or speed up, then Hey, that's, that's what we'll do. Um, but we've been talking these over these past few weeks. And if there's something that you missed, uh, in the first lesson or in the second lesson, of course, the, you can listen to that on the podcast. But we've been talking about right relationships these past few weeks. And in the first part, I made three claims that I just want to bring back here today because I want to add a fourth claim uh, at the end of the lesson. The first claim was that healthy relationships are the bedrock of societies. The second claim was that healthy relationships in the church function as models for the world. And the third claim was that healthy relationships between God and the individual advances the gospel. We ended last week talking about, um, you know, building the house that is our relationships and having that house be uh, be nestled and, and founded in Christ. And we went through the foundation. We went through the walls. We went through the windows and we, and we talked about the roof. And uh, if you if you know anything about a house, obviously you need doors, too. But we won't we're not going to talk about doors. Um, needless to say or suffice it to say, Jesus Christ would say um, in the New Testament that he was the doorway for the sheep. So, you know, you can apply that to your relationships. All of our relationships should be funneled through Jesus Christ. Amen. He should be that, that doorway or that gateway that we uh, hope to have our relationships go through and approved by. Amen. And again, that's, that's applicable in your marriage. It's applicable in your uh, parent child relationships It's applicable on your jobs, having appropriate relationships 
with the people you work with, young people having appropriate relationships with your peers. Uh, so those, those, these principles that I've uh, hopefully done an okay job with uh, laying out, um, you can see them and apply them in your own personal relationships. Now, I want to talk tonight and move into Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6. Now, I know it may seem like we are going to <laughs> uh, talk about all three chapters, but I have to say this, it's needful because sometimes when we read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6, we segment them, we break them up, but it's really one linear thought that Paul is trying to get us to understand. And it all has to do with how we interact and engage with the rest of the world and, and how we uh, have right relationships with God and then with the rest of the world. The new man motif is about right relationships with God first and then right relationships with God's creation. So that's what this whole, when we are uh, saved and sanctified and, and, and born again, we become new, a new creation. That's what this is all about. It's about having the right relationships with him first and then with the rest of his creations. But before Ephesians chapter five gives a clear direction or clear direction on how to have specific healthy relationships, Ephesians four lays a foundational truth. And so let's turn to Ephesians chapter four. Verse 17 through 20. And as you're turning there, understand where we are in the word. Uh, Paul just finished talking about gifts given to the church. He just finished talking about the fivefold ministry. Um, and, and, and preceding that in verse one of chapter four, he talks about uh, being together or being bound together in the bonds of unity. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay. So everything after this is how do you keep that unity? How do you maintain that unity in the church? Again, as a model, for the rest of the world. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 20. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk not as other Gentiles walk. Well, how do they walk? He tells us, in the vanity of their mind. Right. Uh, verse 18, having the understanding darkened, they walk alienated from the life of God. What does this look like? Well, they're ignorant. They're ignorant because of the blindness of their heart. He says in verse 19, these other, these, uh, other Gentiles who, are, who have not experienced Christ, they are past feeling and have given themselves over to lewdness. Other uh, versions say lasciviousness. And what this is meaning and what this is bringing out is that Paul is saying these other people who, are, who have not known Jesus Christ, they walk calloused without any feeling. And this is the, just to bring a little bit of psychology in here, this is the definition of somebody who is a psychopath, somebody who, who lacks compassion, somebody who lacks feeling toward others. Now, the interesting thing is we all have a little bit of psychopathic tendencies, if I'm being honest, each and every one of us, because there are moments in life where we say, we look at life and we go, I want this to be about me, right? I, I don't really care about anybody else in this moment. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's an ancient psychopathic tendency. And, and, and it's helpful in some cases because sometimes you do need to guard and protect yourself. Right. But it becomes diseased when when all you do is is seek. And this is what diagnosed psychopaths do. They seek to hurt others. They have self-destructing tendencies. They also have uh, tendencies to destroy other people and. I believe the, the, the statistic is that in any given population, there's about three to 5% of that population is either borderline psychopathic or psychopathic. Nobody look around, okay? <laughs> Nobody look around. But we all have these, these tendencies to, to act in ways that are less than compassionate, um, that are not helpful, and that are uh, antisocial, if you will. But this callousness leads to giving themselves over to lasciviousness, which are, are over and indecent sexual practices. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, we won't read it. It lists lasciviousness as one of the works of the flesh. 
It's one of the works of the flesh. What else do these other Gentiles do? They work all uncleanness with greediness. They work all uncleanness with greediness. These people have no self-control, right? And what you tend to find out is that people who, who actively engage in psychopathic tendencies, they do the same thing over and over again, like violate other people's space or, um, you know, mass murderers, the psychopaths, yeah? They do these things until they end up either in prison or dead because they have no self-control. They lack self-control. Amen. That's how this works. And so what Paul is describing here is we who have known Jesus Christ, we are to be different. We've been called out to be different. Ephesians chapter four, verse 20 through 24. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Talk about psychology. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Here Paul is bringing out a Christian contrast. That's not how you learn Christ. Everything I said before this is not the way you've learned Christ. And it's not the way you are to behave as a born again believer. You are to be different. And then what follows is some material for us to pour into our foundation. We talked about that in the first lesson. Materials to build that we can use to build our social structures. And so we get this picture of the old man's foundation being broken up. And again, this is needful if we are going to have right relationships in our life. He says here in verse 22, put off corrupt conversations, put off conversations that degrade and, and, and belittle other people. Don't, don't be as these other Gentiles. Here's the contrast. Put off this corrupt conversation. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Um, and, 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 and what I want us to understand is this. If we can, if we can get the mind of God flowing in us, then what comes out of us in conversation will be the mind of God. Amen. In, in the first lesson, in, in, uh, or actually in the last lesson, um, Brother Foster came up to me and we talked a little bit afterwards. And in that conversation, he brought me back to the point I made about being enmeshed. If you guys remember, we set up, our young people helped me out here and I thank you. We set up different relationship styles. We talked about enmeshment and we talked talked about uh, rigid relationships and then we talked about balanced relationships and in that in, in, in that conversation with brother Foster we came to the to the point that who we do want to be enmeshed with is God because in an enmeshed relationship you're so connected and I point I brought this point out that if mom is angry daughter's probably going to be angry too and then sister's going to be angry right because they're so close there's no there's no there's no differentiation, if you will, but we can be enmeshed with God. That's how we get the scripture uh, when David is being described as a man after God's own heart. It's because he's so connected with God, there's no differentiation. And in that type of relationship, bless God, that's good. That's what we should be after. That's what we should be after having this, this, uh, uh, this connectivity to Jesus Christ and, and being enmeshed with him so that we can then have his mind flowing out of us. Paul says in verse 24, that you put on the new man, just a couple scriptures, write them down. Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Uh, Galatians three twenty seven. for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Second Corinthians four sixteen. for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm talking about the foundations of having right relationships. We are to be different as believers. We are to be so Christ-focused and Christ-centered that at our very core, then, we, we think about, we embody what Christ is, which is others-focused. Does that make sense? We get so in tuned with God that we, we, we have that compassion towards others. We, we're willing to speak the, the truth in love, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Actually, that's the first commandment. I just kind of 
it's just kind of segued on into that. So let's, let's go there. I want to talk about the Ten Commandments of Right Relationship next. And really, there, there may only be nine, there may be 15, but when, when I read through it, some of them sort of repeated and overlapped, so I just said, okay, well, let's just settle on nine or 10. But these are the 10 commandments of right relationship, okay? You can write these down. We know that uh, Moses's, uh, the Mosaic law, six out of the 10, that's over half, six out of the 10, 10 commandments deal with relationships and how you treat other people. And I see here in, in Ephesians chapter four, on into chapter six, that the, new, the, the authors of the New Testament sort of grab a hold of that same concept about how to treat other people and how to have right relationships. So the first commandment is this, speak the truth. Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, I listen sometimes to uh, a guy by the name of Frank Turek. He's an apologeticist uh, or an apologist. Um, and uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it here again. I like his quote at the beginning of his podcast. He says, if somebody says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? If they say to you there is no truth, then you say back to them, is that true? Okay. The Declaration of Independence would state specific truths that we as human beings, this is, this is the importance of truth, okay? Let me just read a couple lines from the Declaration of Independence. He says, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, and here's the truths, all men are created equal. They have certain rights that can't be changed. These rights are the right to pursue, the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to pursue happiness. And then to secure these rights, to secure these truths, we have government set up to, to make sure that those are maintained. Now, if we're being honest with ourselves, we look back over the course of our history as Americans, we know that it took some time for America to espouse this Declaration of Independence, that all men and women are, are, are created equally, right? If we're being honest. And so we've come a long way. Uh, we still have some way to go, needless to say. But it's in the doctrine, the foundational doctrine of our of this declaration of our of our founding uh, our founding principles as a country. But if people, men, women, ideologies, can get you to believe that there is no truth, then our very existence is a lie. Because even in our founding papers, we say we have, what's the truth? We have a right to life. That's, that's truth. Once that baby is conceived and God bless it, it lives on to uh, maturation, nine months, and it's, it's born, that baby has a right to life. Now we can go hold down a rabbit hole. I'm just going to step, step aside here a minute because I don't want to, that's not where we are. I'm going to stay in the right relationships. I'm going to stay in my lane tonight. Amen. Um, but the, the Declaration of Independence here captures uh, this idea when it says humans have a right to life. And so we also have a right to liberty. We have a right to, uh, to as the Bible says, to know the truth because the truth will make us free. The truth will make us free, but only after you know the truth. So you got to know the truth in order for the truth to make you free. Right. We know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So speak the truth. Second commandment, don't allow anger to win. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 through 27. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now, why would the Bible connect anger with giving place to the devil? I believe the answer is found in Ezekiel chapter 28. Did I give you that? Okay. While he goes there. What follows is a description, and we know this scripture. What follows is a description of, of Lucifer before he was cast into 
or unto the earth and became the, the small G God of this, of this world. Verse 13 says, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, and I'm, I'm skipping down. Let's jump down to verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee. So thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down. Verse 15, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Watch this, until iniquity was found in thee. Well, what's iniquity? Violent acts of injustice. So when we break this down, you look at violent acts of injustice. What typically causes a person to commit some type of violent act? What's at the root of it? It's anger. I'm upset over something. I've taken, if, if, if somebody just made me snap one day on the road, I've got road rage now. Hello? Somebody ever have road rage? Anybody ever have road rage? Well, thank God you came out of it. Some people don't. They stay there. I know I have family members who have been burned in life, have been uh, uh, done wrong in life, and they can't let go of the anger associated with that situation that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago. Don't give place to the devil. Now, Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, talks about how uh, Satan was, he said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. What's at the root of all this is jealousy and anger. Satan envies God and he hates God's creation. That's us. He hates us. And so when the Bible is, is, is uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 or 27 is linking anger with giving place to the devil. This is what he's talking about. Don't allow anger and, and, and envy, which I believe is one of the other commandments to cause you to sin. Don't cause anger to cause you to sin. Now, if, if I'm leveling the playing field, anger is a human emotion. It's just not a very effective one. We can, we can be, I've heard some say, you know, we have a, we have a, a what is it? A Holy Ghost anger or, or a, an anointed anger, right? We're upset at the injustices in the world. Okay, great. But don't even allow that anger to cause you to do something stupid, right? Don't cause that anger to cause you to then lose your testimony. Uh, and I, you've heard this before. I tell my sons this, and I hope you tell your kids this. A reputation, integrity takes years to build and only a second to destroy and the same can be said about your testimony. If you, if you lash out in anger over something that might seem big to you, but at the end of the day, if you just take one second back and go, oh, that, that was tiny. Why was I even upset about that? Don't allow anger, don't allow anger to win. I could share stories with you about how my mom, you know, uh, was the victim of domestic violence. And to make a long story short, that was a, that was sort of a, an overcoming moment for her. I remember one night I was uh, standing at the kitchen or standing at the, uh, the sink. I was washing the dishes and uh, her and, and her boyfriend at the time, um, they got into an argument. And uh, I, I think I'm about 13 or 14 at this time. And I remember just sort of washing the dishes and I, I just I just kind of dropped the dishes because I could see out of the corner of my eye they were getting ready to 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 duke it out. And I just walked over there. I wasn't as, you know, big as I am now. I was uh, hold on, let me let me tell you this real quick. We were we were traveling this weekend. I told you that earlier and uh, I had my boys. My, I had Micah and Levi, I'm sorry, Micah and his oldest cousin do push-ups because uh, they were waking up at 6.30 a.m., going to bed at 3 a.m., 6.30 a.m. to play video games. And um, until they came downstairs, you can see there's some consternation in me, right? It, it just doesn't add up. But um, but he came downstairs and, and I said, okay guys, let's see who can do the most push-ups, right? Boys like to be challenged, right? So let's see who can do some push-ups, the most push-ups. And they get down there, they're doing push-ups. The older cousin won. And uh, I go over in the closet and I hear Micah saying to his older cousin, my dad's ripped, right? <laughs> and he goes, your dad is not ripped. They don't know I can hear them having this conversation. <laughs> and so I come out of the, the, the pantry and I go, I go, uh, RJ, that's his cousin's name. I go, I, I go, RJ, I am ripped. He goes, no, you're not. And then 
out of the corner of my eye, I can kind of see him kind of calculating some things. And he goes, well, I must have seen a different kind of ripped. <laughs> it's like, gee, thanks. That helps my uh, self-esteem. <laughs> That's right, RJ's younger. Anyway, so um, in the, in the uh, living room with my mom, I walk over, uh, walk over, and I, and I just sort of stand in between and act as a as a, a barrier between this dude who was six five, my mom's maybe five eight, six five. I mean, like a barrel, just towering over my mom and I. And uh, it was in a moment where he he you know he went back to to throw a throw a punch, and I'm standing there, and um. My mom, I don't know where she got the strength from. Don't mess with the babies, okay? She pushed me out of the way. I go flying. And, the, and all I see, and I remember this 5'8 this woman standing there up to this 6'3, six, 6'5 six, barrel of a man. And she throws up the, the dukes like, we're going to do this. If you're going to hurt my baby, we're going we to duke this out. And she is, I mean, she is throwing blows and ducking like, like it was... <laughs> I had never seen that level of <laughs> boxing expertise, okay, from my mom. And, and that was the end. That was finally the end of that relationship. Finally the end of that relationship. Praise God. But there was, that was our life for years. The fighting and, and a lot of it had to do with anger. It came from a place of anger and really on both sides. And I could tell you some other stories about my mom, but I'll move on. But it came from, it came from both sides. So don't allow anger to win in your relationships. The third commandment, work hard for yourself and others. Ephesians chapter 4, 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. It should be the goal of every parent to raise up children who will become responsible and productive members of society. It was said in Proverbs 14, 23, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. If you're going to do work, do it for yourself and do it for others. Notice what I said. If you're going to do work, do it for yourself and do it. Do some work for others. Acts 20, 35, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. These are the right, these are the commandments, the 10 commandments of right relationship. And here's what I want us to understand. Honest work is next to holiness. Honest work it's next to holiness. When it benefits your family, when it benefits others, it's next to holiness. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 11 through 12. Here Paul is, uh, is writing um, and he writes in a way that helps me to understand that God is interested in our success. And then he says this in verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. There's a very interesting language here. I won't, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but study out these verses to understand what, uh, uh, what Paul is trying to get us to understand in terms of how effective our work needs to be, not just for us, that's great. Start a business, uh, you know, climb the corporate ladder, but don't lose yourself along the way. Do it in a way that it benefits you, not in excess, because let's be honest here in America, we got more than we need. Amen. We got way more than we need, but do it in a way that it benefits other people. Use the skills here. I'll say this and I'll move on. Use the skills you learn out there in here in the church, but then also use the skills you learn in here out there. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Number four, the fourth commandment, edify others through grace. Ephesians chapter four, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, if, if, if we could grant people half of the grace that God has granted to us, just half, 
I think our world would be a, a better place because we all, we all make mistakes. There's not one person perfect in this room. Not one person. We all have fallen short of the glory. That's, I'm, I'm in the word, right? But the grace of God that he showed us and he shows us every day, his mercies are new each and every day. He shows us to us each and every day. Now, don't mistake grace and mercy for being a pincushion either. Right. right? Don't mistake me with what I'm saying. Right. But don't carry the, the violations, if you will, that people commit against you. Don't carry that into your other relationships. It's not, if person A hurt you, doesn't mean that person B is going to hurt you or person C down the line. So extend that grace. What does grace look like? It looks like I forgive, right? I forgive. Real grace is I forgive and I forget. But that's a whole, that's a, that's a, that's a God level, right? Let's just work on forgiving. Amen. Forgiving others and forgiving yourself. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Matthew chapter five, verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, hold on. Let me pause for a second. I'm laughing now because when I just read this first line here, without a cause, you know, you guys know I'm a police officer, right? Um, I work in law enforcement. And uh, a lot of what I do, I can only do it if there's cause. I can't just go pulling people over or arresting people just because I feel like it. I don't like the shirt you're wearing. You're under arrest. Can't do that. Can't do that. Right. This whole and I'm laughing because this 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 verse that we're getting ready to read reads like a law book. OK, but I say unto you that what's whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, understand. Let's talk about third, second and first degree. OK, we know first degree murder is the most serious. OK, you get life typically for that third degree you might get 10 15 years right depending upon what it is not necessarily murder i'm just saying third third degree offenses you might get 10 15 years depending upon what the what the charge is so he says whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment that's the third degree and whosoever shall say to his brother raka which means worthless shall be in danger of the council Okay, this is stepping it up a bit. This is the second degree. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. That's the felony in the first degree. That's the most serious offense. What is Paul talking about? What he's wanting us to understand is that the fastest way, or not Paul, I'm sorry, Matthew, the fastest and most efficient way for us to deconstruct somebody's self-esteem is to constantly remind them that they're worthless, to constantly tell them that they have no worth in this world, to tell them that they'll never amount to anything. That's the fastest way to destroy somebody's self-esteem. Matthew is telling us, if we do that, if we say to somebody, you are worthless, that's, that's a felony in the second degree. You're worthy of the counsel. Why is that important? The Sanhedrin was a group of people who were only interested in the most serious offenses in that day. They only concerned themselves with cases that would that that changed society. Right. If if if, if you treat. They're only concerned with the most serious offenses. That's important to know because when you're reading this, you have to understand the context of what Paul is saying, not only the context, but how serious he's saying this offense is. If you call somebody worthless, you call your brother worthless, you are worthy to go before the council. You are worthy to go before the Sanhedrin. It's like the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, in our society, we would say, that's foolish, right? I call somebody worthless. I'm going to be charged and have to present my case to the Supreme Court in their society. Absolutely. It was that serious. Why am I staying here? Because we have to guard against saying things to people that will degrade them and diminish them. If you're, a, if you're an employer in here, how you treat your employees, I hope you treat your employees well. Because, again, they know you go what church you go to. Right. 
If you show up to work and you are belittling, you stink, you, 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 you can't do anything right, you know, I, I should have just done it myself, that kind of language to your employees, you think they'll ever walk in this church? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't even be working for you, you know? But that's how serious, that's how serious this, this, this offense was. And so we can't allow ourselves to speak down to people. We have to, as this commandment says, edify others through grace. Okay, let me move on. Commandment number five, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. When the Holy Ghost is grieved, judgment is soon to follow. What grieves, the, what grieves God? Well, there are a couple scriptures. We're not going to go all of them for time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on a little bit faster than this. The first thing that grieves God is the hardness of your heart, and there are scriptures for that. Um, and there's a contrasting scripture because we know that a broken and contrite heart, God won't despise. But if you harden your heart, you grieve the Holy Ghost, you grieve God. And what this means is, you know, God in any, in whatever way he feels this, it's, this is just very interesting to me. It's a deeply felt pain, like, like a, like a heartache, like losing somebody close to you. That's what it means when you grieve God. Remember, he knew us before we were even formed in the womb. He had a relationship with us before we were even formed in the womb. And so when we harden our hearts against him, and, and, and pastor uses this word in, uh, all the time, indecision. We, we live in indecision. We don't know if we want to live for God or, live, or not live for God. We're just constantly, you know, back and forth, bobbing and weaving, right? When we, when we, when we lose ourselves to that, and we, we grieve God. We grieve the Holy Ghost. We grieve the Spirit. And he feels as if he's lost you. Don't allow that to be said about you. Number six, be kind. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Again, kind of overlapping what we've already talked about. Uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you <laughs> kind of sounded like he was saying, you know, we use that as a, uh, uh, as a curse. Sometimes we say, you know, for God's sakes. Right. But that's kind of what this sounded like. Paul is, is, is writing to us and trying to get us to understand again, the seriousness of being kind to other people. And that this ties back to the fourth commandment of having a right relationship by extending grace. Okay. Commandment number seven, follow God as your model by walking in love, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us in an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now, if you're following God, if you're following God, you're walking in love. If you're following God, you're walking in love. Get that, get that image. Picture yourself walking down the street, following God. You're walking in love. Okay? But what does it look like to imitate God? Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. The original word there means complete. To be complete. The ultimate human, having the ultimate human integrity, even though we have all fallen short. But this passage takes place in a long line of, of chapter and verses where Jesus is speaking sayings to the people in the mountains. It's his first big sermon, and this is the thing he brings out. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Then he draws a contrast. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. For he taught them as one having authority. This is Jesus now speaking to the people. He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, I told you before how I think. When I read this, when I read something like this, I go, well, how did the scribes teach? These are the questions you should ask yourself when you're reading the word of God. How did the scribes teach? How do the scribes teach? Well, we find out in Matthew 23, 1 through 3. 
They, and I'll just say this. You can read it later. I'll say this. The way they taught was that they would tell you to do something, but they themselves wouldn't do it. And so Jesus Christ is saying, you know, don't walk like them. Don't be like the scribes who, who, who profess to be holy, profess to be all this religious stuff, but they're really not. They're just really just bossy. <laughs> they're bossy. They want to tell everybody else what to do, but they don't want to actually live the life. You know, they want to be in the bridal party, but they don't want to be the bride. They want to get all the benefits of showing up to the wedding and, you know, looking pretty and taking photos and all that kind of stuff. But they don't want the sacrifice of what it's going to take to be the actual bride of Christ. Amen. They don't want to do that. So he's saying, don't be like them. Follow God as your model. Walk in love. Don't be like the scribes. So the question I have for you tonight, in all of your dealings, in all of your, your approaches, your, your mindsets, your ideas in life, are you imitating a scribe or are you imitating God? What, who, who are you imitating? You know, they were good at quoting God, but they were terrible at imitating God. Where does this show up in our relationships? We can be in an argument with somebody. We can be in a disagreement with somebody and we can then quote them scripture, you know, you pull a Matt Smith and just quote scripture. But then we ourselves don't live by what we just quoted. So ask yourself, when you're, when you're disagreeing with somebody and you want to rely on the word as your foundation, are you living what you're quoting? Or are you just following like a scribe? Number eight, give thanks. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. Paul here is bringing out the fact that with a covetous heart, and I'm going I'm to give you the very condensed version of this, with a covetous heart, what it ends up leading to is what he says in verse five, being a whoremonger, being an unclean person, right? Being an idolater, having a, an unthankful heart, which is really the, the root of covetousness. When that happens to you, you end up going off the rails and you find yourself in, in dealing in things that you got no business dealing in. And, all, and, and the root cause of it all is because you're really just not content and thankful with the life that God has given you. And so what you end up doing is looking for pleasure in all the wrong places to, to appease that void that you feel because you're unthankful. You can't look back at what God has provided for you and so you want something different. You want something more tangible. But bless God, Paul says, be thankful, man. Just, just look out at the blessings that God has, has given to you and be thankful. Be thankful. Number nine, walk as children of the light. Ephesians 5, 6 through 10. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Verse 7. But not ye therefore partakers with them, or, or be not. Uh, therefore, partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of the light, for all the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. The message version version says, don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales, sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through the murk once before, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your, makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for the daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do that. Amen. Figure out what will please Christ Amen. and then do that. Paul is bringing out the fact that sometimes we have to change company. We have to, ch we have to change company. We were once in darkness. It's not for us to continue in darkness. Come out of that darkness, man. Get on with it, right? Let's be children of the light as our father is the light. Amen. 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 Now, remember this, those are the nine commandments. Again, I said there may be 10, there may be 15. You, you go back and you read and you let me know how many. But remember, we're talking about being a new man, being a new person in Christ. And this, this new man, this, these commandments that I just went through on how to be a new man, how to be a new woman in Christ, 
It's all about right relationship with God and right relationship with other people. And what that brings us to, and I'm skipping ahead as I wrap this up, this series up, what that brings us to then is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let's read that together. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, if you know the word, what Paul does next is lays out how wives are to behave, how husbands are to behave, how children are to behave. And in a culture where they had, and still to this day had servants, uh, which was not like how America had servants uh, back in the uh, early days of our existence. Um, these cultures, and, and also he, Paul talks about how masters are, are supposed to treat their servants. And he's, he's drawing the correlation and making the case that all of these commandments, these things about being a new man and being a new person in Christ, it's all leading up to how we are going to treat the people that we associate that we associate uh, ourselves with. And this is a kingdom concept because what it prepares us for is spiritual warfare. And I gave you that hint last, at the end of uh, lesson last week. What all of this right relationship prepares us for is spiritual warfare. If we are fighting each other, if we are fighting the people that we are connected with, if we are uh, belittling those whom we employ, if we are doing this, I would caution you against engaging in any type of spiritual warfare because you're going to lose. You're going to lose out because your relationships aren't right with other people, which means, okay, so let's follow it this way. If this is all about you having a right relationship with God and then having right relationship with people, if your relationship with people is wrong, your relationship with God is wrong. And if your relationship with God is wrong, I caution you about trying to pray and, and you know, cast out things and do this kind of stuff because you're already a, you're already a target. But when you, when you, we were talking about this a little bit last night, when you put yourself in that position, like you're a, a soldier in the army of God and God don't even know you, that's a dangerous position to be in. They spit you up and chew you out, these demons. The spiritual powers and, and wickedness that exist in high places. It will chew you up and spit you out. So if that's happening in your life, you need to just trace it back. How's my relationship with other people? How is my relationship with God? Why am I not winning at this? Check your relationships. Check your relationships because a complete family, and I'm not just talking about a family in the sense of a husband and a wife and children. I'm talking about a family. We are a family. When I greet you guys, what do I normally say? What's going on, family? We are a family. So if, if, if a complete family is, is uh, having and operating right relationships, then and only then can we put on the whole armor of God. Then and only then can we put on the whole armor of God. Um, hmm. We read in Matthew 5, 48, be ye perfect for I am perfect, right? Be ye complete. That's what the Bible is trying to get us to understand. Be, we need to be complete. Our relationships need to be complete. Our, our interactions with others need to be complete. I didn't say perfect. I know English uses perfect, but it's complete. We need to be complete. And I can't drill that home enough. I can't say that enough. We need to be complete. Even if we disagree, man, I want to come, I want to come back to you. I want to hug your neck and let you know how much I appreciate you. Let you know how much you mean to the kingdom of God, 
and how much you mean to me. How much you mean to me. Um, I'll give you this last one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. And by the way, I left out an entire chunk of, of stuff. But that's okay. If I decide to publish this, y'all can go buy the book. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then we know what follows next. And I'll say this again, if our relationships are not right, then we cannot engage in spiritual warfare. In lesson one, I, I made three claims. Healthy relationships are the bedrock of societies. Claim two, healthy relationships in the church function as models for the world. Claim number three, healthy relationships between God and the individual advances the gospel. And then this fourth one I want to add, healthy relationships give us the ability to put on the whole armor of God. They help us put on the whole armor of God. You can go back and you can read Ephesians chapter 6 beginning at verse 14. But if you're wondering why your truth isn't working, and if you're wondering why your breastplate is malfunctioning, or your gospel of peace shoes are worn out, or your shield of faith is lost, or if you're wondering why your helmet of salvation no longer fits your lifestyle, or the sword of the spirit is dull and ineffective, and your prayers, which by the way, prayers are commonly not included in the, in the, uh, uh, the whole armor of God, but it's there. Yes. yes. If your prayers are unanswered, if you're wondering why all these things are not working, I said it earlier, you need to check your relationships. Yes. Check your relationships. Let's all stand. I know we went on a journey tonight, and I don't know how you're going to keep all that in your head without writing it down somehow, but please, please, not, not to, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're listening to it anyway, but I would just encourage you to go back and listen to some of the points I made along the way. These are very important principles, very important principles, and I don't want us to walk out of this room just going, whew, that was a good Wednesday night. No, 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 no. That, that does nothing for me, and it does nothing for you. Go back and listen to these, these, uh, this series of how to have right relationships in a, in a form to where you can pause it, think about what was said, write it down, pray about it, right? Because I know sometimes in here we're limited. 45 minutes. I think I've been speaking now for about 50, 55 minutes. That's a long time. I'm tired. I know you're tired of listening. Uh, but go back and listen to these things and, 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 and try to adopt them and, and, uh, so that your relationships, our relationships can be better. Father, we love you. We thank you again for this opportunity, God, to learn of your word. Amen. And to be challenged in your word. And I pray in Jesus name that we would all walk out of this place tonight, having a little bit better understanding of what right relationships look like. And God, help us along the way, whether we're in, in, in marriage, whether a brother or a sister or a coworker, God, help us in all of our relationships to emulate and model what it is you want us to be as a new creation in Jesus Christ. We'll be sure to give you glory and honor. Somebody said in Jesus name, in Jesus name. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 